Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee labored side by side with Watchman Nee for parts of three decades before bringing the ministry to the West in 1962. And we're delighted to be able to bring short portions of this spoken ministry to you from the Life Study of Philippians on today's broadcast. Now, let's join today's Life Study. To know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, if perhaps I may attain to the out-resurrection from the dead. Those are the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. And they're also the subject of our life study today. Being conformed to Christ's death to attain to the out-resurrection from among the dead. As always, we hope you'll stay with us for another experiential word from the ministry of Witness Lee. And joining us to help deliver this word today is Ron Kangas. Ron, welcome back to the program. It's good to be back, and it's good to focus on this section in Philippians 3 that is the heart of the experience of Christ. These are very deep yet practical experiential points on being conformed to Christ's death so that we may attain to a spiritual reality called the out-resurrection from among the dead. Ron, we are going to have a longer time than usual today for our fellowship because, unfortunately, we have a tape uh, from Witness Lee where the quality, technically the audio quality, was not very good and we were not able to bring it up to uh, our usual standard, so we've kept the portions quite short. Um, I'm going to read in a moment a portion here from his life study uh, that has a marvelous, I think, example and illustration, really, of the point today. But we have a moment here at the beginning. Let me ask you to touch this phrase, the out-resurrection from among the dead that you just referred to? To some, that may appear to be an awkward expression, the out-resurrection. But um, awkward or not, it is a very accurate rendering of the Greek. We should not simply speak of the resurrection. That is something that could be regarded as quite common. Eventually, the bodies of all the departed believers will be resurrected. The out-resurrection refers to a particular kind of resurrection. And that particular kind of resurrection has an application both now and in the future, the future being understood as the time of the Lord's coming and the duration of the millennial kingdom. This is a special, outstanding resurrection afforded to the overcoming believers who are resurrected to receive the kingdom reward. That's the objective part for the future. But the out-resurrection also refers to the experience of resurrection today, in particular, to the process of having our tripartite being gradually and continually brought into resurrection. 
And to experience this, we must, by the power of Christ's resurrection, have the experience daily of being conformed to Christ's death. This is what we want to focus on in today's fellowship. Well, as I uh, mentioned, we're going to take a portion from the printed message today. Uh, It's an illustration that Witness Lee used that is extraordinarily clear, I think, touching this matter in being conformed to his death. I'll pick it up at this point. This illustration of a carnation seed is in keeping with the revelation of the New Testament. As reborn ones, we have the seed of God within us. According to 1 John 3, 9, the seed of God remains in all those who have been born of God. This seed contains the divine life, and this life is the power of resurrection. In order for resurrection to be released from within the seed, the outer shell of the seed must be broken. This requires suffering. In 3 verse 10, Paul goes on to speak of the fellowship of Christ's suffering and of being conformed to his death. The fellowship of Christ's sufferings is our participation in his sufferings. During his entire life, Christ underwent a process of breaking so that the life power could be released from within him. In particular, he was broken when he died on the cross. The divine life seed has been planted into our being. Now we also need to be broken, that the life power within the seed can be released. Eventually, This process of the breaking of the outer man will result in full conformity to the death of Christ. In this way, the death of Christ becomes a model or a pattern for our breaking. Then, in our daily life, we shall be able to apply Christ to our every need. Ron, that was from Message 22 in Volume 1, The Life Study of Philippians. We're going to join Witness Lee. As we mentioned, these portions are shorter, but I think we'll agree even with the shorter, uh, somewhat more strained portions, what he has to say is definitely worthwhile and worth our time. Let's join him. Then, what is the pattern of the death of Christ? The pattern of his death is that when he was on the earth, all the time he lived a crucified life. We all have to realize that Christ as a man He had two lives. He had the divine life. And number two, he had the human life. He had two lives. The very interesting thing, which has been very much ignored by most of the Christians, is that God wanted the man Jesus with his human life to live the divine life. God wanted the man Jesus to live the divine life by the human life. So, when Jesus was living on this earth, he always put his human life under death, that the divine life within him might live out. He always rejected his human life, that the divine life within him Met live out. And this was the pattern of Jesus' death. And this pattern of his death was all the time to put his human life to death and let his divine life come out. 
to have a chance to live out. This is the model of uh, the life of Christ and of the death of Christ. Well, Ron, let's stop here after this brief portion. I think it would be helpful if you could add some more development to this matter of Christ's death being a model or a pattern. We should not understand model or pattern as something two-dimensional that we imitate. This is a seriously erroneous concept. The whole notion of imitating Jesus or this especially pathetic, once again popular idea of asking, what would Jesus do? This is 100% contrary to the truth revealed in Philippians 3. The death of Christ to which we are conformed is a pattern, a model in the sense of being a mold, three-dimensional. If we think of dough that is worked into a mold and conformed to it, that is what we mean. And in a very real sense, we, the believers in Christ, are dough. Our humanity, now oiled by the Spirit, received through regeneration, is a kind of dough. And to be conformed to Christ's death is to be pressed into this mold by the Spirit operating on us and in us through our environment. This is very different from having an outward pattern that we try to imitate. Or again, I say deliberately, this pathetic notion of inquiring what would Jesus do. Instead of trying to imitate or to inquire in this way, we need to be willing and to be compliant so that the Spirit can simply press us into this mold. This is how we know Christ. This is how we participate in the fellowship of his sufferings. Christ's death has become the mold. He experienced a continual putting to death that he might live the divine life. This produced a mold. Now we as the dough are being conformed to the mold of his death with the expectation that in our experience there will be an issue, a result. And that is what Paul identifies as the out-resurrection from among the dead. If we are willing to be conformed to the mold of Christ's death, we will very likely be among the overcomers receiving the out-resurrection, the outstanding resurrection, the kingdom reward in the future. But more immediately... If we are conformed to the mold of Christ's death, we will know in a deep, subjective, experiential way the reality and practicality of the out-resurrection and of being brought gradually into resurrection so that we become beings in resurrection, beings in the new creation. Well, Ron, let's go back to Witness Lee for another, again, very short portion. Hallelujah. We also have two lives. The human life and the divine life. 
regardless our human life is good or is bad, is wrong, is right, you just forget about this, your human life has to be put to death. We have to realize the human life of Jesus was altogether wonderful. Jesus always put his life to death, not because his human life was bad, but because his divine life has to come out. His human life has to be broken, has to be rejected, has to be put to death. Today, the same principle should be applied to us. We do have two lives, the human life and the divine life. Our human life must be put to death. So every day, we have to live a crucified life, a life that is always put to death, that the inner divine life within us might have a chance to live out. Dear saints, this is to be conformed to his death. Well, Ron, we're purposely going slow here, not trying to cover too much ground, because this has to be a new thought to most people. But it is so profound that I would like to uh, have you develop it for us again. And that is that even the good human life needs to be put to death, or else the divine life would never have a chance to be lived out or expressed. That is exactly right. And it's strange to many, because we think in terms of good and evil— right and wrong, the bad things, the evil things, the sinful things, they must be put to death. They should be terminated. But the thought that the so-called good natural human life must be put to death, that strikes us as foreign. It may be helpful to refer again to the illustration of the seed. Why must the shell of the seed be broken? Do you break only the bad parts of the shell, but the good shell remains intact? What if the entire shell is a so-called good shell? Then it should be spared? If we consider the illustration of the seed, we can readily understand the shell must be broken simply because it's the shell. It's not a question of whether it's a good shell, a bad shell, a pretty shell, an ugly shell. It's a shell. It is containing and confining the life of that plant. In order for the life to be released, the shell must be broken. Now, we, according to John twelve twenty four, have become, in resurrection, many grains The Lord Jesus even said the good seed are the sons of the kingdom. So now we are seeds. Our humanity is the shell. We have the divine life in our regenerated spirit. If our shell is not broken, there can be no release of the divine life and no real experience of resurrection. This is why the outer man the shell of our humanity, must be broken. Now, to take the perplexity, if it is such, a step further, the better the shell of our humanity is, the greater is the need for breaking. Because that's where we're stronger, we may be self-sufficient, 
we may be rather hard, and to have a breakthrough in what is called the good in our natural human life. This is really crucial. And this may seem like an enormous leap, but in this light we should consider the book of Job. Why must the righteous suffer? Why do they suffer? Well, we could say because they're so righteous, because they're so good in their natural humanity. There's the need for a process to break that natural humanity so that something most precious, the resurrection life of Christ, Christ himself as resurrection life, may be released. This is what God is determined to bring all of his children into. Sooner or later, all believers in Christ must have the experience of Philippians 3 and be brought into resurrection. Why? Because we all will be parts of the new Jerusalem, the corporate expression of the triune God in resurrection. There is nothing natural there. So we shouldn't think, oh, we can avoid this. This is only for special saints. Well, it may be for the overcoming saints now, but it will be for all the saints eventually. This is a normal experience. Our humanity has to be broken simply because it's our humanity. The shell has to be broken simply because it's the shell. We need to get beyond this notion, the bad things need to be broken, the good things should be spared. No, the bad things need to be terminated. The good things need to be broken to pieces so that what is in the Spirit, with the Spirit, may be released for the glory of God and for the building up of the body of Christ. This is wonderful, marvelous, practical, experiential fellowship. I'm enjoying it immensely. We have one short section left, Ron. We're going to look specifically at a problem, what Witness Lee will refer to as a rock that is prohibiting and hindering the growth of God's people. Let's go to him for this. There is a basic problem with all of us, the tragic part of our human life. We would not be conformed to death of Christ in that part. And this is why of the certain degree, after so many years of seeking, we got stuck. We don't grow any further. We don't grow any further. In the first stage of our seeking Christian life, we have been growing in a fast way. But up to this stage, the rock is here. What is the rock? The national characteristic you would not put to death. This is the rock that holds you back. You have been remaining the same for the past 10 years. Well, Ron, usually we work to structure these programs so that we don't end on a negative note. But we also don't want to be those that remain or are stuck in our growth and spiritual development. So I'm going to ask you if you can do two things. Offer us something that can help all of us to deal with this rock of national characteristic and also to bring us to an encouraging conclusion. If we see what God is after, we'll be encouraged. If we don't see, then we may find this fellowship uh, discouraging. In Philippians 3, Paul said he counted all things lost on account of Christ. He suffered the loss of all things. And chief among the things he mentioned were his national characteristics, his pedigree. 
his heritage, his ancestry, his Jewishness, his religiosity. So he counted loss, even refuse, his national characteristics. He knew, of course, that in the body of Christ there is no Jew or Greek. In the new man, there are no national distinctions. Christ is all and in all. And Paul learned from experience that if he is to live Christ, whatever is not Christ in him must be put to death. And there are a lot of things in us that are not Christ, but may not be sinful. I wouldn't say being an American is sinful, but being an American is not Christ. The problem with the churches in America is that there are too many Americans in them, too many brothers and sisters living the American way of life. Well, how can these believers be one with saints from Japan or from Russia or Romania or Chile or England? You put us all together, we all live our national characteristics There'll be no expression of Christ. Instead, there will be division. So what is encouraging is this. Before us, we have the marvelous reality of the one organic body of Christ, the one new man in which Christ is all and in all. And we are all parts of that. This body of Christ, this new man, is an organism in resurrection. If we are willing to be conformed to the death of Christ to such a degree that our national characteristics, whatever they may be, are dealt with radically and terminated, we will be profoundly and richly in resurrection and spontaneously be in the reality of the body of Christ and of the one new man. If we have in front of us the biblical vision of the body of Christ— the one new man, the new Jerusalem, where everyone is in resurrection, where Christ is all and in all. And if we see within us a huge rock of national characteristics, and if we also see there is a God-ordained way to deal with those national characteristics, that is, being conformed to the death of Christ as the mold— And if we further see that this experience brings us into resurrection, I myself am quite encouraged that God has a glorious goal to have his corporate expression consummately as the new Jerusalem. This corporate expression is in resurrection. In this corporate expression, Christ is all and in all. And I will be a part of that and you will be a part of that. This means the Lord has a way in our experience to deal with what hinders us from being in this reality today. And our brother has helped us identify this huge rock, our national characteristics. We've all got them, but we all have in Philippians 3, God's solution, the mold of Christ's death. If we are willing now to be conformed to the mold of Christ's death by the power of Christ's resurrection, we will be released from this hindrance of national characteristics. We will be in resurrection, and we will be one with believers no matter what country they may come from or what nationality or race they may be. We will be truly one as the body and as the new man. 
This is an encouragement based upon the reality of the experience of Christ. That is the reality of being conformed to the mold of the death of Christ in order to attain to the out-resurrection from among the dead. Whenever I get a glimpse, as you have just opened up and as has been presented so effectively by these short sections from our brother, I am encouraged. Uh, when I look at myself, as always, I'm discouraged. But I choose not to look there, but to look away into this marvelous view that he's laboring to bring us into. Well, we're out of time, but we will leave you with our toll-free number and invite you to contact us. It's one 543 3788 Join us again tomorrow for another life study. From the book of Philippians. For Ron Kangas today, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you so much for listening. greatest hindrances to the experience of the growth in life are not outward circumstances and environmental hardships. Rather, they're a mind in need of renewing, a will in need of submission to God, and an emotion in need of stability. In the book, The Breaking of the Outer Man for the Release of the Spirit, Watchman Nee provides a clear picture of the need for the breaking of the outer man so that the life of Christ in our spirit can flow out as rivers of living water to refresh and build up the people of God. The Breaking of the Outer Man for the Release of the Spirit is available from Living Stream Ministry by calling our toll-free number. That number is 1-888-543-3788.